Welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast. This podcast helps you discover wealth is more than just money. It consists of several empowering components that make up wealth in your personal and business life. Now, here's your host, Good day, Paul everyone. Lawrence Van. Welcome to Wealth Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Lawrence Van. Glad that you could be with me today. And today we have just an amazing, amazing guest. And she's doing some extraordinary things. And her name is LaVon Idolette. LaVon, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you? Hey, doing great, doing great. And we're glad to have you. Before we get started, I'm going to talk about her bio just a bit to give you all a better understanding of who our guest is today. And she is an experienced executive and brand development consultant and advisor with a demonstrated history of building multi-million dollar alternative asset portfolios, real estate holdings, and her goal is legacy wealth, tax uh, mitigation, and risk minimization. And she's doing great things. She's also a world-class athlete. She was an Olympian in the 2012 Olympics, which we all watched, right? <laughs> and she transitioned that dedication, commitment, and tenacity to become a world-class business leader. She earned an MBA and law degree, and today she parlays her knowledge wisdom and expertise to assist, to assist her clients to build wealth and position them to create legacy wealth. And without further ado, again, LaVon Idolette, it is great to have you here today. And uh, we're gonna talk about some great things that can help some people. And that focus area we're looking at is gonna be in that area of uh, mortgage brokerage, homes, uh, trying to invest in real estate and things such as that. So if you're ready, I'm ready. LaVon, you ready to go? I am ready to go. I got to take you on the road. Your introduction is the best. <laughs> hey, let's go then. Let's go. <laughs> so LaVon, uh, you're a remarkable uh, mortgage broker. And you use your expertise, of which I talked about in your bio, to help your clients get the best value for their hard-earned money. Uh, yeah. Please share the difference between a mortgage broker and a real estate agent and why it makes a difference during a real estate transaction. Okay, so a mortgage broker is the first person you should actually reach out to because what you what a mortgage broker does is we take all of your financial information and we put it into a package so we will know exactly how much you can afford to pay comfortably um, uh, for a home or for an investment um, that will you'll basically take that information and give it to your real estate agent so that they will know the parameters in which they can go and find you a home. Um, because if you don't do it in that order, you're like shooting into the dark. And what happens a lot of times is people will go out and they'll look at homes. They're lo in love with the house. And it's just outside of the price range parameters that a bank will feel comfortable lending. And the reason is because the loan is not actually on the house. The loan yes. is on your income and it's secured by a house. Yes. And you don't want them to take that house back and they don't want that house back. So that. <laughs> You're exactly right. I've, I've uh, purchased two houses in my lifetime. And again, it's all based on that income. Mm -hmm. And of course that risk you, you just talked about, spoke about risk also involved in that for the lender. So when we get a clean slate, so to speak, and we get that um, a person that going after that home, that mortgage broker helps position it to find out exactly what someone can or cannot afford. Exactly. Especially when you're looking in places like 
Florida, I don't know how it is in, in Maryland, but in Florida, we have a lot of homeowners associations. So that is an additional expense monthly that people do not calculate into <laughs> their affordability. And it's so important because you can pay your house off and you still owe that homeowners that's association. Very, that's very true. I know the pain comes every month for me as well. <laughs> Yes. So thank you for providing that. And I, I know we have our good real estate agents out there, but you go levels deeper in terms of uh, sourcing that loan and looking at all the variables and, and avoiding the hurdles that, pun intention, hurdles <laughs> <laughs> that, that come along with purchasing a house. Yes, it, it's really important because, so the reason I suggest, of course, obviously bias because I am a broker, but I suggest using a broker because mm -hmm. a lender has specific guidelines. They like specific kinds of people that fit their target and that's all they're dealing with. When you go to a mortgage broker, we'll look at your package and say, okay, this bank is going to give you a hard time. This bank is going to yes. make it a little bit easier for you. And this bank has the best of both worlds and lower rates. And this is where we're going to take your package. And so we have a like a bigger landscape instead of you walking into Bank of America, then Navy Federal, then every single bank and having them pull your credit. We can look at your profile with one credit pool and look at 200 banks and say, OK, this person has the profile that matches this bank the best. And let's take it over there and we can get this closed. Right. Yes. Taking away that that risk and in less time as well. But like you said, you're shopping it to so many different mm -hmm. prospective lenders that you give them that best opportunity, that homeowner, that best opportunity uh, to actually get that loan and become a homeowner. Right. So that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So uh, given the current state of the real estate market uh, nationally, but in terms of South Florida, why would why should people be all in working to purchase their first house and are an investment property at this time. Of course, we have COVID, we have business that's closed, et cetera. This is a dynamic period of time in everybody's life. But when we look at real estate in South Florida, what is that like right now? So South Florida real estate is moving like hotcakes. And oh. it's mainly because, I mean, I think that South Florida in general is a sticky kind of a place. When people move here, they typically do stay. But it's warm year round. We don't have income tax statewide. Right. And um, we also don't have personal property tax for people who are from those sorts of states. Mm -hmm. And so it's made people want to move to the state of Florida. But then when you look across the landscape, we've got three major metros, South Florida being one of them, which has 35 cities. So people think South Florida, think Miami or Fort Lauderdale. We have 35 cities that you can choose from that range from waterfront all the way to the Everglades. Blades. And um, it, it's just, it's been a really active market in terms of like sales. So people are really getting top dollar. The values are staying there, mm -hmm. even though people are not, not everybody is working, but the people who are working realize like, wow, rates are in the twos, which means it's really affordable for you to get a much bigger house because South Florida is obviously not the most affordable place in the country. Sure. So when rates are lower, you can afford a little bit more house on that same payment. Exactly. So when rates were 5%, you were getting a $300,000 house for the exact same price point. Price per month that you'll probably get around 450,000 right now. So it's made the area a lot more active in terms of people moving around. Um, the best thing that I've seen though is, so you, if you go to a realtor and 
you have a strong offer, which means that you have a pre-approval letter and the profile is all together. You're way more likely to get looks from these home sellers because they're getting so many offers. We put up house on a market and one day we'll get 20 inquiries that people want to go see it. The people who actually go and see it, a lot of them do submit offers. They're typically full price offers. So that shows you that the market is really- very strong. strong. Yeah, that that is remarkable to get get uh, upwards of twenty because what it tells you is the market market is really hot. Especially it really in so what I call the FHA price points, which is four hundred fifty thousand and below. Right. Super super active mm-hmm. right now. You three and a half percent down, and you know you're still getting those two percent rates. It's just such a great opportunity for a person who really wants to own a home. Um, so I've seen a lot of like home flippers and that sort of thing doing phenomenal right now because the people who don't want to own their homes anymore are selling mm-hmm. and you can get in there and they'll need minor. This area was really, really built up in the 70s 70. and 80s. So if you just spend a little bit of money on that cosmetic rehab to get it updated, you can get really good appreciation on those homes. Very nice. So a seller's market. Mm-hmm. And the buyers are still going to get more home because the fact that the interest rates are lower. And again, in the twos, that, that is amazing in and of itself. <laughs> that really exactly. is. A lot of people who are a little bit older than me and have lived through some of these different decades where interest rates have been as high as in the teens. Oh, yeah. I, re- <laughs> I remember when they were in the teens. Yes, I remember. I that. can't even imagine owing someone. <laughs> They're only paying interest. interest. <laughs> <laughs> They're only paying interest, nothing else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I, again, we have the great weather year round. Uh, you have the water. Mm-hmm. You have the sunshine. To me, the sunshine is the big one. <laughs> and plus, plus industry there is very good as well. They have really, really good industries as well. A lot of tourism, of course. And uh, so that that makes for uh, really wonderful opportunities for a lot of people, both the seller and the buyer. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. And LaVon, for the listeners uh, of the uh, Wealth Academy podcast community, please provide some insight on how one's equity also helps them to make some moves and make them now. Because as we mentioned before, there's the low interest rates that exist, but they have their home, the value is up and they have some equity in there, how can they uh, take advantage of that equity? And, and of course, not, not hurting themselves later down the road. Yes. So one of the things that I see a lot of times is once we buy a house, mm-hmm. we typically then start creating these other deals. Yes. So whether it be buying a new car, that's a new mm-hmm. deal. Buying um, the furniture for the house, buying right. putting yes. things on your credit card, mm-hmm. you begin to accumulate a lot of bills. Absolutely. So when you have equity, the best thing that you can do when rates are really low is mm-hmm. either do a home equity line of credit yes. or a refinance, mm-hmm. and you can pull some cash out to basically pay down hey. that debt. So now exactly. you're going to have one payment that'll yes. probably be a few more dollars, but it will be a lot less than the monthly payments you're giving out for each one of those bills. Right. So- and so it allows you to not only capture some of that equity, but it's not a capital gains because it is a loan. Exactly. So 
you don't owe any taxes on mm -hmm. that money out. And then you have the ability to just completely lower your monthly expenses. Exactly. So they almost come in and they have a consolidated loan without having to pay a higher rate because exactly. basically they're just borrowing against their own property and uh, keeping, um, of course, getting a tax write off as well mm -hmm. yeah, with, with the purchase of the home. So that that's really great. And uh, it's something, of course, people have to be uh, careful of because you don't want to go get that Maserati on that loan. <laughs> you want to pay those bills now. <laughs> exactly. You want to keep your bills as low as, you low as possible so that you can maintain the level of freedom and breathing room yes. um, that yes, yes. allows you to do the things that you want to do with your life, especially the older you get. You want mm -hmm. to get to the point where you don't feel like, all right, if I don't make the exact right move, this could right. be really bad. It'd you know, really you want to be able to keep your home mm -hmm. and um, all of the things that, you know, you've worked so hard to accumulate over oh, yeah. your life. Because the bank and the lending institutions, they don't want those houses back. They want you to keep them. Exactly. <laughs> that's how they make their money. Exactly. <laughs> so that's really great. And, and I know for a, a lot of people that... Um, they want to match their house up with a nice car. That's typically what people like to do, but mm -hmm. you know, they have to keep in mind. And that's part of what I talk about on my uh, wealth building uh, type sessions is that you've got to also have that emergency fund set mm -hmm. aside in case of emergency, like a, a, a the 2008 recession, the great recession or the 9-11 or pandemic COVID-19. Exactly. And so as an entrepreneur, yeah. I believe that we we typically hold about 18 months of um, expenses. Right. The reason being is that people who work for you don't want to hear that you can't pay them for exactly. because there's a COVID-19 outside. Like, no one cares. If they came to work, they intend to be paid. Exactly. So a business owner typically needs to have a little bit more of a cushion. Sure. But even like just as a homeowner in general, mm -hmm. I try to set aside maybe six months of payments um, and just a little bit of a things happen. Oh, the yeah. worst thing that I've seen happen every single summer is HVAC goes out. Yep. It's a hundred degrees in Florida. You cannot not get that replaced. It's not survivable. <laughs> <laughs> it is not survivable. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, and like you said, when everything seemed like it's just going, it's right on track, everything's working out perfect, that's the exact time something happens. So don't, th don't think about anything. Everything is going great. Don't think about it. Just keep going forward. <laughs> exactly. I, I am a person that believes in faith, but also in preparation. So yes. you want to have both, you know, because even if you don't need it, sure, you didn't need it. That's, that's very that, true. That's very, that's very true. Very true. Yes. And let's talk a little bit about uh, families. And, and some people want to have a larger family than, than others. And of course, we know that um, homeowners are also looking to upgrade their home. But when we start looking at things with COVID-19, people are actually taking their houses and making them an oasis. Mm -hmm. Almost their staycation is actually their actual home. What do you say to people now who are considered getting a larger home? And again, with the interest rates being low, they, they have a greater chance of that happening. Mm -hmm. So a larger home, especially that has like 
accessibility for you to be able to work from home in a comfortable, quiet space when you got to hire from your children um, <laughs> is, I think, very, very worth it, mm -hmm. especially if, so there are a lot of, and this is not tax advice because I am not a CPA, <laughs> but there are a lot of ways within the tax code to write off that additional space. Sure. So for me, I, we have a, um, we have another house that we use as like our, I, I call it the country getaway house. Sure. <laughs> um, and it, we use it as an administrative location. And so the sure. office spaces, mm -hmm. um, we're able to deduct the cost for that. And it's not like a home office deduction. It's um, a pro rata for the rooms. Exactly. And mm -hmm. so it's been a blessing during COVID-19 because we can go out there, we get a lot of work done, it's quiet, the public's over there is fully stocked because mm -hmm. it's a country. Exactly. Um, and, but looking at that from the landscape of like, we have TVs that are set up to Zoom. Sure. And people are going to want to be able to do all the things that they need to do from home. And just having that little bit of extra space is gonna give you some freedom to do that. Especially, you know, you also have kids, they, they couldn't go to school right. for a few months. So they zooming. had a room where they could go and get on their uh -huh. teacher's classroom and sit there and really feel like they were engaged because it's not everybody is very productive from home. I'm pretty productive no matter where I am, uh -huh. but I know a lot of people who just cannot zone out unless they're, like, they're in a desk seated situation I'm that's different from their normal life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and you're right, because again, people have different ways, just like people have different ways of learning, they have different ways of working as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I think that's a really great idea. When they have another house, for example, it gives them that luxury of actually uh, setting that up the way they want to. That's, and, and of course, uh, they, they tax write off the benefits from that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's really important. So we want to get people to come out there, purchase some large homes. That's right. Reposition your um yeah. your your uh, your garages mm -hmm. into offices. I've seen a lot of. Oh yeah. A lot of people are also changing their garages and their extra right. units and then renting them out. I've seen that too. Because people want to move around. Yeah. Especially when you're in South Florida, you can obviously Airbnb anything out here because not only do we have less trust in the public spaces. So exactly. what we expect to be clean mm -hmm. is heightened. Exactly. So people want to stay. Exactly. People want to stay mm -hmm. where they feel isolated and you can do an extra unit in the back a lot of buildings now um have the one ones or the studios attached to the home i know people who make their entire mortgage payment from renting that room exactly so. <laughs> that's a smart investor <laughs> that's very very smart investor because again it gives them a little bit more wiggle room in terms of uh, people being able to have access to the property and then them being able to accommodate them at the same time. Yes. So it works out really great. So thank you for sharing that. And let's talk about my favorite subject, which is legacy wealth. Uh, I was on a summit a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to some teens about this and they said, well, what is legacy wealth? So I said, well, you're gonna have to wait till I talk to LaVon about this. And, <laughs> and so one of the things we wanna uh, look at is what do you recommend for listeners uh, who are, want to get on the road to creating 
uh, wealth legacy for their family. If you could provide some examples of some portfolios that perhaps consist of real estate, investment properties, are using a 401k or insurance, et cetera. Okay, so typically what I look at is I really, really like insurance as um, a base product, mainly because it can grow in cash value. Most people, when they think yes. of insurance, they're like, death, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to exactly. be involved. So exactly. I went into dealing with insurance from its living benefits sure. because I really, I, okay, I care what people get when I die, but I really don't. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm more understood. <laughs> I'm more interested in being able to build an investment mm -hmm. vehicle that is that has benefits for when I'm alive. So there are a lot of different insurance products that do that. And I have that held in a trust because I believe in the trust being the strongest sure. wealth generating vehicle because it helps you avoid probate, probate. makes people argue. Yes. It helps you avoid... Um, just different taxable situations for transfer and that sort of stuff. Exactly. So I, I'm a huge proponent of trust mm -hmm. and having trust own everything. You yes. can be a pauper, but you're the, you have beneficiaries who are your family members correct. and you want to control things. You don't necessarily need to own things. That's correct. <laughs> um, That's correct. So your name can be as clean and poor as possible That's because right. you don't want to have to pay you. So for me, I just don't think that the government deserves to be my equity partner. In all exactly. <laughs> because a lot of it, and, and it's nothing, uh, I think the main thing is that once it goes to court and they mm -hmm. try to settle what your personal assets are and everything, it's game over for you then. If you don't have that, if you don't have that um, trust, you've got to have that. And when we look at it, historically, wealthy people have one. Yes. They have them. And they have them and they, and I call it a little bit of like ruling from the grave. So yes. it's always got some things where, you know, you want your you want your kids to have a great life, but you don't want them to be able to use drugs with the money and exactly. not go to school or not become good people. Sure. Um, it's just about, you know, making sure that you're maintaining it. The other thing about it is in a, the biggest reason why I used to set them up is young athletes yes. <laughs> do not like to have conversations with women. Yes. About things. Yes. And so what happens is you you get into the whole, should I get a prenuptial agreement? Uh -huh. um, most people will say, why would you want that? Because we're supposed to be together forever. Obviously, no okay. one dislikes each other in the beginning of in any the beginning. Exactly. A relationship, a business relationship mm -hmm. of any kind. Mm -hmm. You When you're agreeable, you're agreeable. But when you're not, you're not. So yes. setting up a trust when you're young, Mm -hmm. And having all your assets held there protects you from the future ex-wives of the world yes. or ex-husbands of the world. Exactly. And so you don't own anything. Mm -hmm. That stuff is there. And if you just so happen to have children together, it's for their benefit. Correct. Um, and it's going to protect you in the long run because you'll still have marital assets together. And you're not mm -hmm. trying to hide things from people. But at the same time, you want to protect Protection. what you right. built. Mm -hmm. for yourself and for your for your legacy and also from your children's exes too in exactly the exactly because Cause it's already in place <laughs> it's already in place yes. and so there are a lot of different types of trusts my family has one set up and it's called a dynasty trust right. and it lasts for a thousand years mm -hmm. the reason why 
a thousand is a bit much, but it's just long enough for you to say, okay, we, we think we have this under control, yeah. but you want to be able to protect the fact that you worked hard and you want your children to have the freedom available to live and the trustee makes distribution so that you can live but not do nothing exactly. which i think is really important um absolutely in, in growing a person mm -hmm. uh because not needing or ever wanting for anything makes you not so good of a person. I've, I've realized over time, True. just from watching other people have really, really spoiled and entitled children. So you want to be wealthy, but you want to teach your kids to have be live. helpful, humble, mm -hmm. nice people. Charitable, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so from a, a real estate standpoint, I, I, tip, I like two types. No, I like three types. So. Okay, I want to hear it. Um, <laughs> The main one is uh -huh. that I, I like multifamily, but my reasoning for liking multifamily is because I am able to provide housing and a lifestyle because you're, the base of your life is your house. Yes. And so if, because I care about affordable housing and making mm -hmm. sure that people have something, a place to call home that uh -huh. is very nice. A roof over there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It makes a good return and it makes a good social impact. So yeah. we, um, we focus a lot in multifamily. I really like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I also really like retail because um, your area, your neighborhood, the sure. neighborhoods you grew up in will have whatever someone decides to put there. Exactly. So I like to be a part of that community building that says, okay, you want to make money, obviously. So you're going to put some retail is there, maybe a family dollar, something of that mm -hmm. nature. But you also can give a small business an opportunity to have a location at a lower cost. Exactly. Um, well, so they you, otherwise wouldn't wouldn't be able to get it. Exactly. They, you're giving they're, they're chances. Right. Exactly. And building the community the way that you wanted it to be. Everything doesn't need a Whole Foods on the corner. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's just like being a part of that community growth is important to me. That also makes mm -hmm. good returns. So it's always good to do well and do good at the do, same and do time. Good. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other type mm -hmm. of real estate asset is actually not a real estate asset. It's a mortgage note. Yes. Um, and those are secured instruments, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I really like that Because you can space, buy and sell those. Yes. yes. The reason mm -hmm. I really like that space mm -hmm. is because it's given me the opportunity to give people chances. Yes. Because we buy non-performing notes, which means that people have not been paying. Right. And I can change the interest rate. I can change the payment date. I and can change. I could forgive the whole loan and give the person the property exactly. after. You know what I'm saying? And so it gives you the opportunity mm -hmm. to be impactful. And because you buy it at such a discounted rate, typically, um, right. you still do well, even mm -hmm. when you make modifications and because we also invest in real estate, we don't mind taking property back, but we don't want it. So exactly. I would rather, you know, help the community and have them sure. figure it out because a lot of people just get behind and then they get the anxiety of being behind yes. and just the weight on their shoulders is too much versus mm -hmm. like, okay, if you have a conversation, you're, you're behind by two months, we're mm -hmm. just going to add an extra $50. Sure. We don't need you to pay the whole thing. Right. And that level of freedom that it mm -hmm. creates is life-changing for some families. And it's still helping them out. Yes. Yeah, it still helps them. Yes. Exactly. And so it gives them that alternative, whereas the other alternative they would really think about, I'm just going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives them hope. And, and people can make a, a um, they can bounce back, mm -hmm. a recovery. 
Exactly. And all of those types of assets obviously can be mm-hmm. held by 401ks, by yeah. IRAs, by trusts, by LLCs. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for, and, and it's important to just have conversations to tell people that things exist and that they can participate in them. And you don't have to have $10 million to participate in exactly. any of this stuff. I and I, think, and I mm-hmm. think that's where it's at. A lot of people just don't have the knowledge that it exists. Right. And then they bring someone like you along and you have the knowledge of, of this as being an option for them. Then you start educating them and the whole community gets better. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. being the lender, but also being a human yes. is uh, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest difference. And it's just like the biggest difference between who, when community public housing owns your apartment complex versus a family that understands and has had family that lived in public housing. Mm -hmm. They know how bad it can be. Mm -hmm. The humanizing of an asset keeps people listening and not being like, well, you late, get out. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It gives them hope. Yeah. And that's, that's what people need today. They need hope. Mm-hmm. And just imagine, and we know it's happening, but with COVID-19, a person that doesn't have a roof over their head and they happen to have children in school, yeah. that's a nightmare. And so they really need the help. And right. I think uh, when we look at the fact, the big issue today is about, well, the second stimulus didn't come in. And that second stimulus really hurt a lot of people, a lot of businesses mm-hmm. and uh, jobs are not coming back. So there's a lot of things that impact. So that human side needed, needed to actually be uh, taken place by the members of Congress. I used to work on Capitol Hill. So I'm a little bit tough on those guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. They need to be held accountable. Yeah. They need to do better. Flowing and it's not necessarily going to the things that we needed to be going to. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you for that, for sure. And again, that's part of that legacy uh, wealth that, uh, that LaVon is sharing with us today. So I need all you listeners to get your pen and paper out and start writing down, taking some notes here. <laughs> They're taking notes. I can feel it. <laughs> yes. So well, let's one talk. Of the other things that yeah. I wanted to mention earlier was okay. that I think that people get afraid when they hear that the tenants will or the residents will be section eight they think that the government is just giving you any old person to live in your property and they're going to mess it up and so a lot of people who i know before they met me was steer clear like i don't want it i don't want to be bothered in the hood i don't Mm -hmm. want it that's where people need help and I want to be the first to tell you that my low-income tenants typically are the cleanest, nicest people who just need a little bit of help. They need a break. And they need a break. Yeah. You you still get to go through the entire like application process like you would with a market rate tenant. So sure. you're gonna meet the gamut, the professional. Mm-hmm person who knows how to game the system and you're going to meet the person who's just in between something and down on there something happened and they need Mm -hmm. a little bit of help and you get to be in that fold and and give them the opportunity so i think that Mm -hmm. people just need to realize like everything is not black and white it's exactly because people just have circumstances in life you know people have the i call it the quicksands of life Mm-hmm. And you, not that the, nobody deserves it, it just happens to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it could be something as easy as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It, it, it's a lot of things that can happen. And uh, to be human, I think is the most important aspect that you were talking about earlier, uh, showing people that they have a, a outlet they can go to and it's not it's not over for them, but they still have that chance. And a lot of people, they go through that. I looked at uh, uh, Chris Gardner, who I interviewed and remember he was homeless. Mm-hmm. He was sleeping in the subway with his, with his son. And uh, then he ultimately he sold his investment firm for $360 million. Now that's a comeback right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I interviewed him on my show, on my radio show. And, and I listened to his story. I was like, how did you do it? <laughs> So thank you for sharing that. And, and again, that goes under that uh, uh, legacy wealth aspect uh, and giving people a chance to be inhuman. Now, one of the things that has happened, we know, uh, Levon, is that with COVID-19 and this pandemic, it's caused us no longer to really be in that live event space as much as we used to be because of the pandemic. So yeah. what, how has it changed for you technologically in terms of being able to lead and manage uh, your business uh, as a mortgage broker, working with clients, et cetera? So the biggest thing has been that I've been trying for mm-hmm. months and months <laughs> to get people to transition into taking applications online, yes. dealing with people by phone, uh-huh. and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I also work with my father, and right. he is not necessarily the most tech savvy person. Uh-huh. He likes to do things manually, True. and but this time period has forced us into technology exactly. right away. So now we do Zoom meetings, and he loves it, doesn't he? Talk on Slack, <laughs> yes, because it makes the process simpler. Yeah. We get a lot of information. Uh from people and Mm -hmm. people who have the option would love to come and bring a package of papers to our office and we're like no thank you Uh upload here are links you can upload you don't know how to upload i'll have a person come to your house and upload it for you exactly it's been the force of Mm -hmm. getting online being more intentional about being online the other thing is is that it gives you a lot more access two people. So the time that I would have spent usually because I, I spend a lot of time raising money to go and buy affordable housing. Sure. I travel mm-hmm. probably 10 days out of a month. Right. Now people are more apt to get on a Zoom call, yes. to get on a FaceTime, to talk to you and give you the same courtesy that you would get in person, which would not have happened without COVID-19. Absolutely. Where people, like older people just True. are set in the thing that they like. So they would just right. be like, you have to come and meet me for coffee or lunch. And then because you can't, they're just like, okay, Zoom it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it works. And I think when we look at it, yes, uh, the pandemic is bad. There's no doubt about it, but it has changed our way of doing things. And I think even now we're st- still not at what we call a new normal. We're mm-hmm. actually creating the new normal now. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not settled. But like you said, I, I have a, a gentleman that is a real estate investor and I want to interview him mm-hmm. this week. But he is really hesitant about getting on Zoom. I said, but you have a podcast too. Come on, man. Right. <laughs> but that's how it works. But like you said, it's, it's all about um, once they get used to it, it's a much easier process. So exactly. yes. We keep everything in the cloud. Everything is accessible to everybody. Exactly. It's not a lot of redundancy in terms of having conversations and redoing things. I'm just like, look how great this is. 
Exactly, exactly. So, Levon, I want to shift gears a little bit and thank you for providing that on that technological side because we're all going through it. Now, let's talk a little bit about something that you participated in uh, recently. And um, if you could share that with us, season 32. Yes. Great race. If you could talk about that. What was that like? It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So the Uh funniest thing is I was recruited to be on the show Survivor. And um, I told them right up front, Mm -hmm. I am not a survivor. I am a first world, no, I've never eaten anything outside Uh kind of person that didn't come (laughs) off of a grill, you know, and so I'm not a survivor. So Mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, we also produce The Amazing Race. Would you be interested in doing that? I said, hmm, okay. Very nice. And so I got to do it with my best friend who- mm-hmm. um, It's Kelly. Were, yes, her uh-huh. name is Kelly Wells Brinkley. We were high school rivals, college teammates, oh, wow. trained for the Olympics together. She uh-huh. actually got a the bronze medal okay. at the 2012 Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. I lived at her house when she had postpartum. We have a deep relationship. So we knew that we would be great together. For doing sure. Stuff, but it was hard because oh. it's running, it's- thought it's deprivation it's of very spontaneous oh my goodness yeah. we're running around and getting on planes and uh-huh. i had never put my and, face and, in water before and they dropped yeah. us into the ocean in yeah, the so <laughs> it's just like all of these things that you don't know what you're gonna get so you don't even know how to prepare exactly i, I myself i um i looked at what you all was doing i was watching it this morning i was telling mm-hmm. you earlier i was watching this morning i'm like out in the world. And then of course they're putting you in country to Trinidad and then you're going to Bogota. And I'm like, wow, you're going to a destination you've never been to before and you expected to do this, that and the other. I thought it was really, that's why it's called the amazing race. It really is. Yeah. They, they put a lot of time and thought and mm-hmm. effort into making sure you're doing culturally accurate things when you sure. go to a place. And then like, just it's something that no one would expect you to do. So. Yeah. It keeps it pretty fresh, but it was definitely nerve wracking. Um, And then to see it in the way that it's portrayed, because like we're living it for 35 days Mm -hmm. we filmed. And the the first episode was four days, but they showed it in one hour. Exactly. So it looks like, oh, look what they did. Like, no, no, we didn't sleep. We didn't eat. We slept on the floor. Uh The times that we did sleep in airports and caves. Uh (laughs) See, that sounds just like the military. (laughs) Expect the unexpected. That's how the military was? Yeah, that's kind of how it is sometimes, yeah. I almost joined the Air Force JAG and- Yeah. But I told them I'm afraid of shooting and hiding. So they said- Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I was in the Air Force 20 years myself, but mine was more, I did more work in the Pentagon and that was a experience unto itself as well. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that is fantastic. But thank you for sharing that because- Again, The Amazing Race is really awesome. I shared it with you earlier. That's something I wanted to do, but I couldn't get my friend to convince him to do it because he wanted to do wrestling. I was like, nobody wants to wrestle. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing Race. We could have been famous. You gotta find another partner. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to convince my daughter to do it. She's she's 17 this week, so I can convince her, try to get her to keep up with me, see? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so fa- fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the other things I looked at, LaVon, is 
we know we have this COVID-19. We don't even know when they're gonna come out with a vaccine, but how has the pandemic impacted the real estate industry uh, from what you've, you've uh, gleaned over the last uh, a few months? How has it changed it? So there has been three major changes that I've mm -hmm. seen. One was when we first started, we just had no idea what was going on. It's just like, uh -huh. oh my gosh, how are we gonna how are we gonna navigate? The sure. hardest thing was mm -hmm. how do you get inspections if you can't get inside the places and you're afraid of exactly. it? Exactly. Mm -hmm. How do you get appraisals? So they started off doing drive-by appraisals and pictures, which I knew wasn't gonna last very long because right. if you know about a picture. Sure. You can trick someone with the picture. Absolutely. So, Yard and, uh, and everything. It, it didn't last long. In, in, so you see mm -hmm. the industry trying to fumble and navigate figure it. out what's going to happen next. Sure, sure. The biggest change that I've seen that's really actually sticking is mobile notary mm -hmm. and the ability to close um, virtually. Got it. A lot of states had not quite adopted that yet, mm -hmm. but because of COVID-19, People are doing their closings virtually by Zoom, mm -hmm. signing um, online and get, and then getting wet signatures by mail sure. um, or having a mobile notary come to you. So mm -hmm. that's been really, really good. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just been really active. So it, a lot of things are backed up and slower than they had been mm -hmm. um, just in terms because of people you know, are in, in more remote type status. Yeah, so yeah. they beyond remote. So like, like I told you, 20 offers on one property. So wow. now just imagine how much activity sure. that is going on. So banks are a little bit slower to close. Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit longer for the realtor or the seller to decide whose offer they're going to accept because they're being bombarded. Exactly. And so the process has been going a lot slower than it had been. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's it's been really, really, really positive, I would say, um, mm -hmm. in terms of just getting through and figuring sure. it out and staying like pretty hopeful. I, I really actually have been enjoying, I actually moved during, okay. during the um, pandemic. Sure. And one of the things I enjoyed was virtual tours. I didn't have to drive anywhere. Exactly. I sat there and, the, and the realtor walked through and showed me it on FaceTime or uh -huh. they had a virtual tour already pre-recorded. Sure. And you were able to like make a decision without having mm -hmm. to show up which I learned the hard way because I'm used to showing up. And then they're like, oh no, there are no people here and you don't have an appointment. Girls, you have cooties. Uh -huh. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, that, that works out really great though, because again, you know, there have been some issues about safety when you're going into a property as well. Yeah. I, ha I have some friends who are agents and they kind of ran into some situations. And so from that standpoint, but like you said, they can have that virtual tour. My brother, he just returned from Belgium with the army and he had virtual tours uh, in terms of the house he purchased in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, you just have to make sure when you get there, you have all the inspections, have the house inspected, everything. Yeah. And so he did, he did all those things. So it, it, uh, that's, that's really great. So um, what we have now, Yvonne, our time is coming to a close. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our uh, community here? We'd love to hear it. Okay. So, um, 
follow me on social. I yes. am Lala Hurdles Two on Instagram. I okay. am Ida Let on Twitter. I'm pretty what? active there. Um, I'm really active on LinkedIn, which yes. my name Lavon Ida Let. Um, my uh -huh. website is LavonIdaLet.com. Okay. And on there, you can get a free guide. Um, at, as a passive investor, if you're True. investing with other people, um, I give eight tips on mm -hmm. what to look for when giving your money to others. True. Beware. Because okay. the world is wide open oh, with scam yeah. artists oh, yeah. that know the know how to sound the part. Exactly. If you watch enough American Greed, you already know. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I also have a book. It's an ebook okay. that you can get. It's also on my website, um, okay. com. It's about confidence and Fantastic. the antidote to veer. Yeah. And you have it. You have it. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that, that was really great. And, and it, as you stated before, uh, one of the things, one other question I have for you in terms of working with clients, you work with clients in other states as well? Yes. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's really good. That's what I wanted to know in case people and I can refer them to you, et cetera. Yes. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, LaVon, thank you so much for being our honored guest today. You've just done some tremendous things in your short life and you continue to, to doing them. You're becoming a business leader now and you're taking what you uh, did from the Olympics, that type of dedication, that, that type of fortitude, and you're bringing that to bear in the uh, business world as well. And, and again, it's my honor to interview you. I've interviewed you on my radio show, but I really enjoy this, this uh, podcast as well. And I'll keep track with you. And the new book just came out, what time? It just came out? It just came out during the pandemic. Okay. It's a okay. new book. And um, basically, okay. it's talking about how to use confidence to change your life. Fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thank so, you. So thank you very much. And it's an honor to uh, have you as the guest here. And I hope to interview you again in the near future. And uh, for all, all of the listeners in the Wealth Academy podcast community, again, our uh, honored guest today is Levon Idolette. She's doing tremendous things. She was an Olympian in, in London. In the London game, she was a 100-meter hurdler, and uh, I saw her compete in that, and now I just saw her in the amazing race here in season 32. She's doing some great things, and she will continue to do, do them, uh, and to me, she's one of the lights that we have in all of America. She's a, a bright and shining light, so we want to keep our eye on her for continuing to do great things, and uh, this is going to in this episode. I'll see you on the next episode. My time is up and I thank you for yours. Have a great day and I'll see you on the next episode. Uh, LaVon, have a great day and thank you so thank much. Thank you for listening. You. you will find the show notes for links to everything that was mentioned. You will find the show notes on my landing page. Subscribe to the Wealth Academy podcast. Rate or review the podcast on iTunes. 